And I, I thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness in seeking you, God. And Lord, I want to pray that you would anoint his lips, anoint his tongue, Lord, to speak your words with power. I pray for every heart in this room, Lord. I pray that our hearts would be good soil, uh, that as your word comes, Lord, we would receive it with gladness, Lord. Um, and not just that we would receive it with gladness, Lord, but that we would put it into action in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. So I kind of feel that that, that last phrase, only, only you can satisfy, you're the well that never runs dry. Uh, I kind of feel that's a preach in its, on its own. We can all go home after that. Um, but um, uh, what I want to talk about today kind of ties in with that. Uh, because we often try to have substitutes, things of this world that, uh, that try to satisfy us. And, and as we've sung, it's only Jesus that can satisfy us. Um, so I've actually titled uh, uh, the message today, uh, Whom do you serve, God or Mammon? So um, this came about, actually, um, I was reading an article on News24. Uh, um, one of the headlines caught my eye, and, and it said, um, the, the CEO of a top uh, winery, uh, in Paul, had to resign because of things that his wife had said. So I was like, okay, what, what did his wife say um, that would cause someone to, to resign in such a high-profile position? Um, and when I, when I read the article, uh, it's, it quoted this. So they're talking about his wife now. Her first appearance on the show raised eyebrows, and a lot of commentary came about on social media for her use of foul language. And when she said in her own diary interview, we all worship Mammon, the god of money. If I didn't have any money, I would jump from a building. And it got me thinking, people still worship false idols in, in our modern days. So you usually you would think, you know, idol worshippers for, you know, Old Testament uh, biblical times. But, you know, as, as we're reading, people worship money. People worship things that, that aren't alive. Um, and our worship's only meant to go uh, to God. So the word mammon, I, I, I've also heard referenced in, in Scripture. Uh, so I went to do a bit of research. And um, mammon is only mentioned four times in the Bible. And all, all four times are mentioned um, by Jesus, actually. So the first time it's mentioned is in Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So what is mammon? So in Hebrew, mammon is uh, translated, uh, which means wealth, uh, and in, uh, or money. And in modern Hebrew, it's, it means wealth. Uh, and in Greek... Mammon is uh, borrowed from the aromatic word mammona, which means wealth or profit. So essentially when Jesus is talking about mammon here, he's talking about wealth or, 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 or money. So I've actually just got three questions that I'd like us to, to answer today. And the one question is, how does mammon or wealth or money affect us today? Is it still relevant? Um, how do we break mammon or money's hold over our life? And how do we gauge if God or money is our master? 
All right. Are we good? Can we go through those today? So we'll start with the first one. How does mammon affect us? So the first way that mammon affects us is it makes us slaves to money. And how does mammon do this? Um, it makes us slave through debt. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. So in Proverbs 22.7, it says, The borrower is slave to the lender. So being a slave means that, that some, something or someone has ownership over you. And as soon as we go into debt, you owe the person. There's ownership over you. You become a slave to the lender. Um, I remember when we first uh, bought our, our first car, it was a, a little Getz. And, uh, and we didn't have a, a, a lot of money, so, you, you know, we, this was the best deal that we could get from the dealership. But essentially, you know, it was five years of paying back this car, and eventually after five years we thought, finally we're done with this. But then we were told that there's a balloon payment or a, or a residual which is on the car, and that meant that we still had to pay it for an extra two years. So we felt like we had uh, chains and, and, and that we were in bondage. We were slave to, to our lenders. And, and we try to work hard to, to get out of, of this uh, debt burden. And when we had finished paying that last payment, there was this like, great sense of freedom. So this in many ways is true, that when we go into debt, there's, there's a heaviness that comes upon us. There's, there's shackles that, that go over, over our wrists. And um, when you get really bad into debt, sometimes you, you use debt to pay off debt. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of like releasing the shackles on your arm to put a, a larger shackle around your neck. So, um, so yeah, so I just want to encourage, I won't go into detail about good and bad debts, but essentially you need to ask God, you know, like, like how are you managing your finances? Are you, are you free? Or are you a slave to your lender? For the most part, we also go into debt because we, we don't want to wait. We want something now, and we go into debt in order to, to get that now. Um, but again, we become slave to our lender, and it's, it's something that holds us back. So this is, this is something that can take hold of our lives because we can be in debt for the rest of our lives. Um, I know of people that have died, and that debt gets passed on to their children, so it's not even in death that, that you're released from this. It's only when it's paid back. So work hard to pay it back and work hard not to go into debt in the first place. So that's one way that, um, that mammon affects us is through debt and through becoming a slave to our lenders. The second way is it lures me away from the things of God and it keeps me focused on the things of this world. And uh, if we read in 1 Timothy 6, 7 to 10... For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless, harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil." It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, there's a lot in the scripture, so we can just go through it together. So, um, so we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. 
But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. So if we read Scripture carefully, are we just content with food and with clothing? Or are we content with uh, many other things? Do we rely on... Um, we brought nothing into this world. So, so God is our provider. He gives us everything. And we take nothing out. Yet we, so, we work so hard for, for material things. If we desire food and clothes, we must be careful that, if we're desiring more than that, we must be careful that we're not starting to serve a new master. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So what does this word rich mean? So rich means um, to a great deal of assets or, or positions. And, and we can go through our whole lives desiring more, desiring greater assets, desiring greater positions. And we think this might only apply for other people. But, um, but it actually applies to us. Have you ever wished for a bigger house? I'm, I'm paying off <laughs> my problem. Do, do, we, do we crave or wish for new technology? Do we crave for better phones? Do we crave for a new car? Uh, do we crave for a new watch or accessories or some collectibles? But those who desire to become rich fall into, tempta into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. We've got to take note of this. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's a hectic scripture to, to read. It's no wonder God warns us so much about money in Scripture. It's the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from their faith. So you can even crave money to the point of, of losing your salvation. So how, how does this happen? How do we wander from our faith? So if you think about it, have, have any of you fasted technology? Any hands? A lot of you. So if you if you're on a fast and, and sometimes sometimes uh, God just says, okay, fast technology. How much more time do you have to read scripture and to to have a quiet time? And and you quickly learn when you when you give technology up how much time it steals from you, how how much time it robs robs you. And um And if, if that is the case, you can actually end up wandering from your faith. Because if you choose technology and you don't spend time with the Lord, and you don't spend time in Scripture, you begin to drift. And it becomes easier to forget the Lord and, and what, he's, what He's telling you. So every time you watch a series and you don't have a quiet time in the morning, you need to ask yourself, am I choosing God or have I chosen to serve mammon? For the love of money is the root of all evil. It is through this craving that some have been led astray, have wandered from their faith, be pierced with many pangs. So what is a pang? A pang is a, is a sharp pain or an emotional pain. So how many of us go through life with these emotional pains? Um, have you got work stress or family stress? These could be pangs. 
Um, let me give you an example. So if, if you get a promotion at, at work, and, uh, and this promotion promises you double, a double salary than, than what you're getting now, it would be tempted to, to take that, that promotion, right? So you'd think it's a good thing God's providing. Um, but we don't always think these things through, and then we don't realize how much extra time we're going to have to take in our work. And uh, we don't realize that it's, it's going to take us away from time with our family. It's going to take us away from our time with the Lord. And um, before we know it, you know, we, we're missing church because of work. We're missing communities because of work. And the very people that God's put in our lives to speak into us aren't there. And the stresses of family life or, or not being with your family, it starts to, to, to put pressure on you. And over time, this pressure can... Then, then the only way that you think you can get uh, out of this is to work harder and to earn more money. And you can eventually fall away from, from your faith. So how do I break... How do we break mammon or money's hold on our life? So in Timothy 6.11, it says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things... Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. So we must run, flee from the temptations of technology. Remove the work emails from your phone. Have strict rules about when you look at your phone. At, at certain times in the evening, make sure that your phone is off. Don't watch those series in the evenings. That's going to keep you away from your quiet times in the morning. Run from these earthly desires. Be content with food and clothing and drop everything else so that you'll have time to have a coffee with someone and disciple someone, that you'll have time to spend with the Lord. Sometimes taking those promotions will be detrimental to your family and your faith. So is money ruling our decisions or is God? So we read there, but as for you, O man, of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness. How do we pursue righteousness? In Psalm 37, 21, it says, The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. So how do we break the hold of mammon or money in our lives? We must be generous. In Proverbs eleven twenty-four, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. So a lot of people should be giving, but they don't, and they only suffer want. They only, they only suffer wanting more. So generosity is one way that we can break mammon's hold over our lives. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, verse 19, as for the rich in this present age, and, and I think a lot of us, if, if um, I was told wealth is having options, so if you have options in, in, in life, you're actually wealthy. If, if you had to stop getting your salary today and you have options or you have plans or you have people to call on, you actually have wealth. So as for the rich in this present age or the wealthy, charge them not to be arrogant nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. 
They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, as we've mentioned, ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So true life is storing up riches in heaven, not on earth. And how do we store up riches in heaven? With good works and with generosity. So a very good indication if your money has a hold on you is, is how generous you are. Don't be rich in money, be rich in good works. The third thing that helps us break the hold of mammon or money on our life is tithing. Returning God's portion back to himself. I'll come back to this in a little while. So let's uh, summarize. What does mammon or money, how does it affect us today? It makes us slaves through debt. It lures me away from the things of God and keeps my focus on the things of this world. And in fact, money can lure me so far away from my faith that I lose it completely. How do we break mammon or money's hold on our life? Flee these things. Run away from them. Be generous. Seek eternal rewards, not earthly rewards, and tithe. And then my last point, how can we gauge if God or money is my master? And working well with money should result in salvations. That's how we know if we're working with money correctly. So I mentioned right in the beginning there was four times that mammon was mentioned in, in Scripture. So it was that one in, in Matthew, and the second one is Luke 16, 9 to 13. So it's the same story that Jesus is, um, is telling, and Jesus is speaking here. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails, they may receive and welcome you into the everlasting habitations. He who is faithful with a little is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest and unjust in very little is dishonest and unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the case of unrighteous mammon, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not proved faithful in which belongs to another, who will give you which is your own? No servant is able to serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So that can be quite a complicated scripture. <laughs> what does it mean by using unrighteous mammon? So let's go through it. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails, they may receive and welcome you into everlasting habitations. So simply put, if I rephrase it, make friends using money. Okay? Use it to lead people to Jesus, where Jesus promises everlasting life. Then in the end... When Jesus comes again and riches and material things of this world are burned away and only souls remain, those who are saved will welcome you into eternal life. Is it easier to understand now? 
So we're meant to use this unrighteous mammon, this unrighteous wealth, riches, money. How do we use it? By making friends who can eventually welcome you into eternity. We bring them to Jesus. He who is faithful with little is faithful also in much. He who is dishonest and unjust in very little is, is dishonest and unjust in much. So how can I be faithful with a little? We've already mentioned it. We can be generous. We can tithe. That's being faithful with a little, giving God back a little bit to himself of what he's entrusted us. Uh, sponsoring tickets to someone to go on youth camp. That's how we can be faithful with a little. Paying eight rand to buy pancakes so that teams can go and minister to, to across the nations. That's how we can use a little. And choosing to give up technology so I can have my quiet time in the morning and be faithful to God. That's how it looks to be faithful with little. Therefore, if you have been faithful, uh, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the case of unrighteous manner, if you've not been faithful using money, who will entrust you with true riches? So, if we're not faithful using money, God can't entrust us with true riches. And what are true riches? So as we've mentioned, when Jesus comes again at the end of the day, everything is going to be burnt up. It's only going to be souls remaining. That's why the scripture says we can't take the wealth that we have <laughs> once we die. So what really matters to Jesus? What are true riches? It's people. So if you have not been faithful with what belongs to God, God gives us the money that we have. If we're not faithful with it, then we won't have true riches in heaven. And we also heard that, that, that we get, get riches by doing good deeds and by being generous. So no servant is able to serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And the simple question we can ask on whether we're serving God or mammon is how have I used my last salary this month? Remember, God values people as true riches. Has my money or has our money, our salaries, been serving our own interests, or have they been serving God's interests? As we said, that eight rand that you pay for a pancake can be used for, for salvations. We've heard the testimonies of the guys that came back from Zambia. There were many salvations. And I believe one day, when everything is stripped away, all the material things are burnt away, we're going to be seen and we're going to be understanding the story of how God linked all of our parts together. And that's why the scripture says, then those who are saved can welcome you into, into heaven. And I believe that we will know in heaven who had a part to play in, in our salvation, bringing us to, to Jesus. That, that eight rand pancake, someone can come to us and say, we never met, but you, that eight rand contributed to a team who brought the word and brought, brought Jesus to me, and now I'm here in heaven. Thank you. You can spend 30 rand on a cup of coffee, 
to disciple someone. And as, as we've read, money can draw us away from, from Christ. We can lose our salvation with, uh, by choosing to serve money. And if we choose to serve other things, that can also draw us away from Christ. And if you disciple someone, if you pay a little bit of money towards a coffee to disciple someone, it may be the difference between that person going through a hard time and choosing to find solutions in the world or choosing to find solutions in Christ. So how are we using our money? So when you flee from earthly pleasures and faithfully tithe and give generously, these can result in salvation. The easiest way for us to actually use our money well is to tithe. Because it's the church's mandate to, to reach the lost. It's the church's mandate to, to, to look after the poor. So... The easiest way for us to make sure that mammon doesn't have a, a hold on our lives is to tithe. All right. I hope this is making sense. <laughs> All right. Can we pray together? So I just want to pray for, um, first of all, for anyone who's, who's uh, felt convicted by this message.